0: Good evening, family. What's the matter? Y'all don't think I can sing? i was just kidding. I can't sing. I was just wondering. I, I, yeah, they just stopped, Pastor Robert. I, I'm blessed, too. You are blessed, Pastor David. Blessed. Blessed in Chantilly. Also. <laughs> it's like, it's like when you. You ever had a moment in your life where, you know, everybody gets a high five and then you get a handshake or, you know, everybody gets a really cool handshake and then you get a high five and you're like, I could do it. (laughs) I know stuff. Anyway, it's baptism night. It's (laughs) baptism night and we are excited about baptisms. I'll give a little bit more detail about what baptism is about after the message and before we baptize people, but I just want to say that this is one of the most exciting Nights of the month for Grace Covenant Church, we celebrate with our brothers and sisters who have decided to surrender their lives to Jesus. Uh, This prophetic act, really, I was talking to John Holmes, and this is a prophetic act where they identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus by going under and coming out of that water. And so more on that later, but first we're going to jump into the Word tonight. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. This is the Tower of Babel. Um, this is, uh, the Tower of Babel is a familiar account to many of us. If you've grown up in church, you know the flannel graph, this was a popular one. It looks like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and it falls over, and then the people scatter. It didn't really look like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. That's just what flannel graphs can do. But uh, they, were, they were doing this, and they were building this tower. But I call it an account because it's not a story. Uh, when, we, when we approach scripture, I think sometimes we need to choose different language when we talk about the things that the Bible is talking about so we can actually understand what's happening in the Bible. And most often, when you refer to a story, it's something that's made up or something that's pretend, right? If I tell you a story, it's probably made up. Uh, and actually, that's just a, a hint into communicating with me. But if I give an account of something, it's, it's a historical thing. It's something that actually occurred. And so as you think about Scripture and as you think about what Scripture records, don't think of it in terms of stories as things that, um, that are made up or they're things that are helpful or things that are good for us you know, put it in the same genre as the tur- tortoise and the hare. We need to understand that these are real people moved by a living God for a specific purpose to encourage us, to challenge us, to train us in righteousness. And so um, this account is, is well documented. Um, so let's jump in. Um, I've titled today's message, Greater. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see, the, uh, to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they purpose to do will, be, will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Father in heaven, I ask that you would come this evening, that you would train us, that you would instruct us, that you would open our eyes, to see our ears, to hear our hearts, to understand the greater that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is after Noah's ark. And they're a couple generations away. People's lifespans were starting to shrink. But if Noah wasn't alive, he hasn't been gone long because he lived for almost 400 years after after the ark. And so uh, they, were, they were aware of the flood. They were aware of everything that happened. This is just a few generations ago, probably very similar to the way that we think of the turn of the century. Minimally, the way we, uh, you know maybe as close as the way we think of World War 2 or World War 1 in terms of how we had people who were there and we had people who saw the aftermath we had people who had experienced everything about that and so so that's how recent Noah got off the ark and we had this man named Nimrod Nimrod wasn't always an insult as Pastor Robert helped me see Nimrod was actually a mighty hunter Nimrod was a mighty hunter and he came to some level of esteem and he came to some level of leadership and he starts what we believe are the first kingdoms. He had these little cities, these little mini kingdoms, and he was ruling over these people. And as they migrated east away from where the the ark landed, they're moving across and they said, we like this place. Let's build a city. Let's build a tower. Let's do this thing. Let's make a name for ourselves. We're surviving. We're doing this thing. And God sees their building project, and he comes down to inspect it. And he's looking at it, and, and he's He's displeased. One pastor made the comment that, the, that Moses, who wrote Genesis, was actually uh, having some fun because he says that basically God came down to see what they were building because their tower to the sky was so huge, but God had to come down to see it, right? right, right. right. I agree with that sentiment because you also see that, look what the children of man have built. So just a little bit of trash talk in the Bible. (laughs) So this is his assessment of their project. He says, behold, they are one people. They have one language, and this is the only beginning of what they will do. Nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. So what's going on? Is God insecure? Is God concerned that they're really going to build a tower to the sky and and then heaven's going to be irrelevant? Is, are they concerned is God concerned that somehow his sovereignty is threatened by a big building? Maybe he's threatened by their unity and maybe they'll overthrow God? Is that is that what's happening? And the answer to that is no. There are at least 3 reasons that this was troubling to God the first of which is plainly stated in this passage that they were doing it for their own glory. They were building for their own purpose as opposed to his. The second is that this was in direct opposition to an explicit command that God had given. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 28, I believe, um, God told Adam and Eve, he, he blessed them, And then he told them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And then in Genesis chapter 9, when Noah got off the ark, he reissued that same command. And he said, Noah, be fruitful and multiply and cover the earth. But as man began to cover the earth, they decided that they had a better idea. That's not unlike you and I, right? It's not unlike me. God's like, live holy, David. And I'm like, yeah, I'd rather not. Because that movie might be really funny. He's like, live pure, David. And I'm like, but I want to see what happens at the end. (laughs) Moderation, David. Don't be a glutton, but it tastes good, God. (laughs) You made them delicious. And you gave me this capacity to to taste. I think I should just use it. And so these people are going, God, you've given us this capacity to communicate. You've given us this capacity to build. Let us build. Let us build something extraordinary for ourselves. And he's like, no, no. I told you to fill the earth. I know many of you have heard these things, especially if you've grown up in church. I've heard these same messages. And don't forget these warnings. Heed these warnings. But there's another thing that I believe that God was after in this moment and in that I've always understood this passage to mean that man was, was extraordinary in his capacity. God said that man could do anything they put their mind to. But the reality is, God is upset because he has something far greater in mind for them to do. This is what I mean. It turns out that whatever they propose to do is what they can propose to do. It's not real deep. What man can do, man can do. You could tweet that. I'm going to give purpose to it in a second. I thought, let me. man can only conceive of what man can conceive of. I felt like God was making a superlative statement about man's ability, but it was diminutive. He was saying you can only do what you can do. And I want you to do something far greater than what you could do. You're gathering together and you're building this tower of your own imagination, but I've got ideas that are greater. You're making this tower to make a name for yourself, but I've got something greater. You could make a name for me. He's like, it's like we discovered Chicken McNuggets. And God's like, I've got Bon Chicken on the mind. <laughs> now we're connecting some bonchan chicken if you haven't had bonchan bonchan, it's like double fried korean chicken wings change your life pastor robert it's like salvation in your mouth we've got chicken nuggets on the mind god's got bonchan on the mind but as long as we can only conceive of chicken mcnuggets we'll only have chicken mcnuggets And he's like, I've got something greater. I've got something bigger. I've got something more. I've got something more eternal. I've got something more substantive for your life. If you would just listen to me. This is the beautiful thing about this series of prayer that Pastor Jim's been doing for the last weeks. Because if we don't enter into a place of prayer, if we don't enter into a place of worship, if we don't study the word, if we don't engage God, we'll live a natural life. And God desires for us to have a supernatural life. God frustrated their efforts, not because what they could do was so great, but because what they could do was so little. And because of the varied languages, because he, he did this, their language confused, they, they got confused, they got frustrated, and they, and they moved in different directions. But we all know that the problem isn't just that they weren't speaking the same language, they weren't speaking the same language. I can speak English with Pastor Robert and still come to point of disagreement and misunderstanding. We can still lack unity, even though we both speak English. What God wants to do is Far more substantial than just have us speaking the same language. He wants us unified to His purpose. More than that, He wants us unified at His person. Not every broken plan is the devil, not every dead end is the enemy. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit of God doing you a favor because what you wanted to do was too small. What you wanted to do was your idea and not God's idea. I wrestled with what word should I use to talk about God's plan? Should I use bigger? Should I use greater? Should I? Because because I want to make sure that we don't accidentally run off and create a bigger thing in our own mind about what's good or what's right. It's easy to hear a message and say, God wants greater, and then we run off and we imagine what we think is greater. Oh, God wants me to run my company. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe God is, wants you to be exactly where you are so you can have maximum influence over maximum number of people. Maybe God's greater is not your bigger. And sometimes that's a really hard pill to swallow. What if God called you to a life of insignificance? Because it was greater. What if God called us to be not ever known at any large level because he has something greater? Would you be willing? See, they wanted to make a tower so that everybody else would know, so all the other cities would know, we are great, we're extraordinary. Look at us, other cities, we've got something awesome. But he was saying, the greater is to scatter and to take my image over all the face of the earth. The greater is not for you to be known, it's for me to be known. And that stands in such contrast to most of what our culture says is greater. Not until we find each other at the cross, not until we find one another at the cross will we ever experience the greater that God has for us. Finding each other at the cross makes it more than a friendship. It allows us to have fellowship. It gives us more than friendship. It gives us family. It gives us the kind of family that Pastor Brett was talking about on Sunday. It's spoken of in Ephesians. It's the, uh, every family on heaven, oh, on earth and in heaven. It gives us this enormous family and it enters us into this place where we have a people. God is calling us to be a spiritual people and he's calling us to a spiritual work to make a name of him, not a name of ourselves. To make his image known over the face of the world. Not our image known over the face of the world. We should be windows to heaven, not doors. <laughs> First Peter two nine says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And it speaks to being dedicated to the work of the Father, being dedicated to the work of the kingdom. A royal priesthood was dedicated to God's work. It was to make him great. It was to reflect his priesthood on the earth. And that's what we have the privilege of doing. He's called us to be a spiritual people. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And the natural person is not able to understand them because these things are spiritually discerned. In other words, not only do we benefit from one another until we meet at the cross, but we don't even understand who He's made us to be until we meet Christ at the cross. God is also calling us to a spiritual work. Romans 12, 11 says, Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you. I wish the Bible said, Serve thyself well. That would be really awesome. And terrible. Because my thoughts are ridiculous. I think I've talked about that here before. But serve the Lord. Serve his purpose. Serve his kingdom. Serve his people. Do you love me, Peter? Yeah? Feed my sheep. Serve his people. As I said earlier, we don't have to guess what this work is that he's called us to do. We seek His Word. In the Word, we seek Him in prayer, and we seek Him in community. We seek Him in family. What family does, it it affirms and confirms the things that I hear in the Word and in my prayer closet. So I can bring it to my brothers and sisters. I can bring it to people who are discipling me. I can bring it to men of God who are who are, who are wiser than me and more advanced than me. And I can say, "Hey, this is what I'm feeling. And this and this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm reading. This is what I'm praying. This is my heart. Help me." And they can kind of gladiator style, let me understand if yeah, buddy, you're hearing well, or champ, no. God is inspecting the tower of our lives. He's inspecting the tower of our work. He's inspecting the tower of our homes, of our families, of our name. My question for you tonight is just what will He find? Have you accidentally and so easily fallen into the trap of building your own name? Of living for your own glory and your own comfort. I'm not saying, did you, have you, do you stumble occasionally and, and do you hope that 30 people like your Facebook post? Right? Do you you stumble into pleasing man for a moment and then, and then go, oh, that was ridiculous. But have you, what are you giving your life for? Who is it that you're living for? Why is it that you're living? This week I'd like to challenge you to examine what you're building and why you're building it. In doing so, stay desperate for the presence of God. Don't rely on your own strength. Don't estimate what it is that God would have you build because he may surprise you with something greater. Live for the glory of God. Just a note about the God having something greater. Somehow we could be satisfied, find satisfaction in Jesus in doing the most mundane things when it's done for his glory. I've experienced some of my greatest worship cleaning up the restrooms in the other building. My first job wasn't as a janitor. I mean, my first job wasn't as a pastor. My first job was the janitor. And I don't really see pastor as a promotion. It was a privilege to serve and to clean the bathrooms. And it still is. Because it's all for the glory of God. Whether I'm standing on stage and sharing a message and, and trying to inspire faith or if I'm wiping poo off the wall. It's for the glory of God, for the expansion of His kingdom. What are we building, family? The extraordinary thing is that everything was, that was scattered at the Tower of Babel Unites at the cross. And so now what, where we run into what's impossible for us becomes possible in Jesus Christ. Because we're not limited to our own imagination. We're not limited to our own ability. We're not limited to our own conception. But we have the ability, we have the supernatural ability, the supernatural gifts of God on display and made manifest through us as a people so that we can accomplish the supernatural in the D.C. metro area. We can see the sick healed. We can see the dead raised. We can see buildings put up with cash. We can see the the city influenced for the kingdom of God. We can make disciples. Tonight, we celebrate people going from death to life in baptism. But if we're just natural about it, we'll go, Hey, they're having a pool party up front. No! It's so much more than a pool party. This is a prophetic act where we celebrate the greater of God. We celebrate the greater of his plan. We celebrate the greater of his purpose and the greater of his life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your greater. We thank you for messing up our plans. We thank you for messing up our almost so that you can do the uttermost in us. God, we repent for being natural. We repent for building our own tower. God, we want to build for your glory. We want to build for your name. Even still, God, the scattering hurts and the disappointment sears, And so I ask that you would bring comfort to anybody whose plan has been frustrated. That you would meet them at their place of pain, their place of confusion, their place of frustration, their place of anger, God. And you would speak to them in the still small voice of your Holy Spirit and remind them of their great purpose in you. God, we welcome you. We welcome you in Jesus' name.